again, fellow travellers, and welcome to podcast 143 in our series, You Should Have Been There, with me, Mick Webb. And me, Simon Calder. And I've just returned from inspecting a stack of reused shipping containers just tucked <laughs> around the side of Waterloo Station in central London, where people are, quote, right now enjoying sustainable living in a unique building that is an eco-apart hotel at the heart of London's cultural and entertainment district. This is the Stowaway Hotel, and it is simply a whole load of shipping containers all bolted together with some beds in. And the reason <laughs> I've been there is because today's podcast is all about hotels, new trends in what they look like, what you might find inside them, and of course, what you might have to pay for them. And with us to add her expert view is the travel journalist and leading hotel guru, Lucy Thackeray. Hello, Lucy. Hi, thanks for having me. Well, it's a pleasure, Lucy, and uh, welcome to YSHBT. Uh, actually, it's easier to say you should have been there, but I was trying to get in the Radio 4 kind of uh, vibe of uh, putting everything in initials for some reason. But uh, before we tackle new ways with hotels, we must highlight some listener responses to our recent podcasts. Cruises, love or hate them? That was last week's subject. And it unsurprisingly attracted some polarised tweets. Regular correspondent Tim Coxon had this to say, Not for me. Too many people. Too small a place for my liking. I also like big, wide open spaces and getting out each day to take in local scenery and nature. Final red line for me is these huge ships are ugly as sin. On the other hand, MJ at Fogging Mozzies has been won over by cruising. I was always a bit snobby about cruising, but did one for a family holiday in 2016, and we are now due to embark on Cruise 4 this summer. They are especially great for large or multiple family holidays, with a large variety of cruise lines and destinations to cater for all. Val Ball tweets, wouldn't want to be on that floating tower block, but love the expedition cruises, notably Hertie Gruten, who we've enjoyed the most. And this is me speaking now. Hertie Gruten, of course, is the kind of cruise offshoot of the uh, ferry that um, links lots of communities on the west coast and north coast of Norway. Anyway, uh, Val writes, so many amazing activities and discoveries. Um, and uh, yes, she referred, of course, to the cruise ship in Europe. Your photo, where was that exactly, Mick? Well, that was um, off the uh, shore of uh, Grand Cayman, uh, and uh, that particular ship towered over the uh, tiny capital city of Georgetown. But of course, it was in the Caribbean, and that leads us fairly neatly to Evan Armour Clafferty, who tells us, going on my first cruise next month, Caribbean. Evan, do let us know how you get on and send some sounds of the cruise, if you like. Just uh, record them on your phone and send them to anchor.fm forward slash you should have been there. All one word. And finally, Alex Middleton has a recommendation and a question arising from podcast 141, In and Out of Bruges. Alex recommends top rail destination in Belgium, Turverin. 25 minutes on the beautiful 44 tram from Brussels with Versailles Gardens at the recently renovated Royal Museum for Central Africa. Have you been, Mick, Simon? Uh, I've been there and it all went very badly wrong. First of oh, all, dear. the um, Africa Museum, uh, which is 
utterly transformed from the kind of colonial institution that it was in the 20th century is remarkable. But um, due to um, the beautiful 44 tram not turning up, I then got into an incredible sequence of missed Eurostar trains and massive bills for rearranging my um, my trip. Well, I'm sorry to hear that. And I was going to say that Belgium is a very easy place to get around by public transport. And although I haven't actually been to Tervuren, um, I like Alex's idea of a journey with a quest. And in fact, it's inspired me to plot a visit by ferry and bike to another museum. This is on the coast of Belgium, which is devoted to the work of Paul Delvaux, a bizarre surrealist painter with a particular uh, penchant for nudes, railways and skeletons um, in the same ballpark as Magritte, but uh, maybe even more eccentric. Well, I, I shall um, uh, perhaps join you on that on that quest. Um, and uh, Lucy, of course, you would be extremely welcome. And um, I think we can get there without having to go on a cruise. But are you a cruise person, Lucy? Oh, I'm not, Simon. I feel terrible saying it. Um, I know people love them. I've been on one cruise ever, which was a med cruise, a sort of quite affordable mid-priced med cruise. And I just felt really itchy footed. I, you know, we'd dock somewhere beautiful. We'd go out and see, you know, I, I docked in Naples, went to Pompeii, rushed to get the slice of the best pizza. But then you've got to be back on board by 4 or 5 p.m. And I just thought it was it was such a shame. But I can see how it's great for people who maybe have lower mobility. It just drops you in different places in the world. You get to visit many places on one trip. You don't have to pack and unpack constantly to move around. So there are perks. Yeah, no, but I completely agree with that feeling, Lucy, never having done a cruise <laughs> at all. <laughs> but let's get on to hotels, terrestrial ones. Um, you know, I was thinking that hotels might really be under threat from Airbnb and other providers. But when I started looking, I was bewildered to see what the latest hotels are like. I mean, there's almost been, I think you could call it a paradigm shift. Um, what are the strangest or most innovative ones that uh, you've come across, Lucy? Well, yeah, I think there are two types of hotels, really. I think there are hotels that you just stay in as a base for a city or something or an area you want to explore. But then there are what I call destination hotels. So weird, wonderful, glamorous, in an amazing natural setting. Um, so I'm sort of thinking we're, we're discussing the second category here. Um, in terms of where I've actually been, uh, some amazing tented camps, which is a real trend for this year. Um, I actually went to a new one in Morocco uh, in November called Caravan Agafe. Um, it's in the Agafe Rock Desert just outside of Marrakesh. So only about 45 minutes drive from Marrakesh proper. And it's these beautiful, big, luxurious tents um, with walls, with structure, with proper double beds, hot showers. Most of it's run on solar power. So it's sort of luxurious, but it's very intrepid feeling. Um, everything's based around being around a campfire, stargazing, cooking outdoors. Um, it's very inspired by Berber communities. And you can go and do amazing trips into the Atlas Mountains, you know, which you're already halfway out to. So that was really special. And I think we're going to see that as a trend because there have been tented camps in Africa for a long time, but in different countries, Mexico, Costa Rica, uh, we're going to see them popping up all over as a luxurious concept, I think. So this is a sort of glamping taken to a new level, is it? It is. And it's a sort of destination camp, really. I mean, you'd go to this place to go there. You wouldn't go there to stay in Marrakesh. 
Um, so it's all part of being a bit of a community and a bit of an experience um, in a way that I thought was great, actually. That does sound enthralling. Are there sort of more permanent, um, so not tented camps at all, but actual hotels? Do you think that people will go and stay in just to say, I am staying here? And what sort of locations would they be in? Yeah, I mean, you'll find them all over, really. I think there's several categories. There's, you know, amazing architectural hotels, things, very novelty things like underwater restaurants. And ice, the Ice Hotel in Sweden is one that's top of my hotel bucket list. It's been around for a while, but they re- they make it out of river water and then they melt it down every year and then they rebuild it. And it's like staying in a giant ice sculpture. Have you ever been there? No, um, I've heard that there's, well, when I've heard about it, and I, I don't know and would love to hear from people who have stayed there, um, you can tweet us at you should have BT. What I've heard is that um, you do tend to spend one night in this ice hotel, sleeping on blocks of ice with, um, I, I think, animal skins to sort of try and keep you warm with a obviously um, a industrial strength sleeping bag. Um, but then you actually retreat to what's basically a, um, a, a budget hotel alongside for most of your stay. Um, but I hope you will get there and, and prove us wrong and we can read all about it. it, it uh, uh, certainly an adventure. And I... I, I suppose that takes us on to the idea that um, the trends in accommodation that I can see are that you are either going to somewhere that's really different, really exciting, or you're actually going to um, something which is increasingly uniform. So you are going to a Premier Inn or a Travelodge or whatever, uh, but but you obviously specialise in, in diverse and uh, wonderful places, Lucy. Yes. I mean, when you mentioned, you know, the the reality of the ice hotel maybe being a bit strange. Uh, another place I've always wondered about is Giraffe Manor in Kenya. Have you come across this? So while you're eating your breakfast, the giraffes <laughs> are encouraged to lean in and sort of, I don't know if they eat off your plate or bother you, but I always think, would that actually be wonderful or would it be a bit stressful? It sounds a bit weird. And um, I mean, I, I hate to mention health and safety, but um, <laughs> there would be concerns, wouldn't there? Yeah. Um, I'm assuming that uh, there's a move as with all things apparently in life, towards wellness. Is that uh, is that something that's on your radar? Yes, I think it's one of the things that makes a hotel a destination hotel. Um, I think something I'm seeing increasingly is rooms that have spa facilities in them. So you might have your own sauna or your own hot tub or your own um, hammam even, you know, sort of facilities that would enable you to have spa treatments in your room. Um, I stayed at a great hotel in the Lake District called The Gilpin, and they've built these spa lodges where you sort of don't have to traipse down to the spa in your robe. The, the therapists come to you and they leave little spa products in your room so you can do DIY spa <laughs> treatments. And it kind of is the ultimate luxury to be left to it and not have to deal with other spa goers. I, I am, I'm, I'm into that trend. Uh, Lucy, uh, Simon told me that you went to a hotel where there was a bizarre hangover cure uh, on tap. Is, am I right? Yes. Yeah, so it's, part, it's been part of my job to test the weird and wonderful trends that are about. And the, one of them is someone bringing a drip to your room, um, sort of restorative vitamin drip. Um, and this is something that's been going on. There are providers of this service in general that will come to your home. But several co- hotels have collaborated um, in Las Vegas, in London, um, in LA, I believe. Um, so if you've had a really big night or a heavy weekend, they will come to your hotel room, wheel in a, a drip, hook you up, uh, and then you sort of sit there for an hour. It's very strange. It's a very, very strange thing. I will say I did feel great afterwards. 
Um, but definitely, you know, I think doctors would have some concerns. So do your research if you're thinking of doing it. But, you know, reportedly it's something that pop stars like Rihanna have done, Justin Bieber do to sort of keep themselves perky. So, you know, it's definitely a trend. Did you have the big night first? Yeah, I actually went with my sister to a hotel in London and we we went out intentionally to feel as rubbish as we could the next day. Um, so we really looked awful when they showed up the next day. We, we really held up our end of the bargain there. Um, and we did leave feeling pretty good, I will say. Well, Lucy, that just shows the um, the lengths to which a good travel journalist will go to um, report on the latest trends. And uh, you didn't have any after effects, I presume. No, I didn't. And, uh, you know, it is, it's quite a big thing to offer up your veins in the name of journalism. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I, I felt fine afterwards. So all in good fun. And if you want to read Lucy's excellent article, then simply search online for Lucy Thackeray. And uh, I guess um, Hotel London Drip Hangover would probably get you there. Um, it's a fascinating article from, uh, I think, about last August. Was that right? Yeah, Lucy? it was towards the end of last year. But hotels are all about sleep as well, I think. And uh, I'm fascinated by one which is called Heston's. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. In Coimbra, in Portugal, uh, the first and only hotel in the world where you can fully enjoy the Heston's sleep spa experience. Reveal your best self in the fullness of a unique sleep experience. So, uh, uh <laughs> I, I, hotels are obviously um, their their main commodity that they sell is sleep, but this seems to take it um, to uh, well. They describe it as the perfect encounter between complete well being in body and mind. Um, is that something you've uh, you, you've been able to try, Lucy? No, but you're right. Sleep is big in hotels, which sounds like an obvious statement, but um, it's been creeping up for years. I don't know if you have ever spotted a pillow sommelier at any of your hotels, but. <sighs> Uh, that is a thing. Someone will help tailor your your dream pillow to your to your good night's rest. But certainly, I think um, hotels are very good at taking notice of health trends and really cashing in on them. So um, lots of hotels now have some sort of sleep or jet lag spa treatment where it will help, you know, if you flown a long way it will ease you into your first night there uh, but yeah then you have whole health programs at medispas you know de- dedicated to fixing your insomnia so it's definitely uh, a big money and uh, I think medispas have been a thing for a long time actually but they've, they've kind of been um, quite restricted to places like the Alps I think Thailand has a few that you'd go and stay and you usually have a goal in mind lowering your cholesterol fixing your insomnia um, some some of them just do a straight up health MOT which for me, is a curious thing to do on holiday. I think I'd do that. Uh, no, I'd just do that back at home. I think that's an odd thing to go and do on holiday. But, you know, each to their own. Yeah, I, I often need a health MOT after I've been on holiday. But in a way, that's a sign <laughs> of a good holiday for me. But the thing about sleep now... For me, and luckily I don't really uh, suffer from insomnia, except um, when I go to hotels, because I obviously don't go to the right hotel or I don't pay enough. And I certainly don't ever have a pillow menu to choose from. But I find it extraordinary um, how noisy even some quite expensive hotels are. Um, And uh, if someone's got their flat screen telly on the wall adjoining the wall where your bed is, as it were, in the next room, and they want to um, have it on at uh, at three in the morning, there's nothing to stop them doing it um, other than good manners. And if that happens, there's no way you can get to sleep. So I've got a a revolutionary theory here, which is um, 
I would like my ideal hotel um, to be divided into wings or blocks, a bit like a prison, in which people who make a noise want to watch the telly or, or have a, a domestic uh, late at night are actually just sent off to a different, um, a different corridor. And then the rest of us can get a bit of sleep. It's a real lottery, isn't it? I remember staying in a hotel in Mallorca where we were behind uh, the area where they had the sort of cheesy hotel entertainment, you know, at night. It's the sort of shows of parrots walking tight ropes and things. So you just you couldn't possibly get an early night there. Um, wasn't quite the spa atmosphere that we'd hoped for. Things like TripAdvisor are sometimes quite helpful, aren't they? And they say, whatever you do, don't take rooms mm. so-and-so or so-and-so. I mean, there's no way the uh, hotel itself is going to... Uh, tell you you can always spot a really seasoned traveler by the fact that on the on the plane and in the hotel they have a industrial strength eye mask you know earplugs noise cancelling headphones something to swaddle their head in if all else fails it's really true i think a lot of people have perfected the art of sleeping everywhere um i wonder just um looking at the other guests in the hotel lucy have you seen the white lotus um this uh new (laughs) series um, which is about, um, well, hotel guests who are uh, some of the worst people you've ever encountered in hotels in uh, Hawaii and in um, Sicily. Have, have you watched it at all? Do you know what? I've, I saw a couple of episodes and it just didn't grab me, which I, maybe is because I've stayed in a lot of luxury hotels with a lot of awful people. <laughs> so I think maybe I've had my fill, um, but I, I might go back and try it again. Well, um, I think uh, Jean-Paul Sartre so nearly said hell is other hotel guests. <laughs> I assume you've met, you've encountered a few in your time. Yeah, Lucy. and I do think, unfortunately, there's a lot of correlation with very, very high-end hotels, just people feeling very entitled, uh, being quite rude to staff. Um, earlier this week, I wrote uh, an etiquette guide for the modern traveller post-COVID because you do see some awful people um making staff's lives a misery. Well, Lucy, seeing as we're generally agreed that uh, the worst thing about um, hotels is other guests, is there any way you can actually avoid them? Yes, well, I think this is becoming a bit of a thing. I think some hotels are doing away with um, spending a lot of money on communal areas and big receptions. And it's it's really become about just getting your key and getting your room and and going straight in. A a lot of hotels are even looking into self-check-in, you know, sort of touchscreen things. So you never have to deal with a human. Um, And one trend that's been around for a long time in Japan, but is spreading this year, is the Pod Hotel. Um, so I think there are two or three um, coming to Europe in the next year. Um, generator hostels. I don't know if you've ever stayed at a generator, but they aim to be sort of bridge the gap between a boutique hotel and a hostel. Very affordable rooms. Um, they're adding pods in Berlin and Amsterdam this year. So um, you can pay 25 euros. All you get is your little, you know, Japanese style pod perfectly sealed perfectly comfy to sleep in but no frills and you pay accordingly which I think is a great idea are they a bit claustrophobic I don't think I'd find them claustrophobic I think yeah if you if that's a problem for you it might be something to think about but I find it quite um swaddling and comforting to be in a little pod I've got quite a lot of experience of generator hostels um, and I would say that they're more at the hostel end than Mm. the boutique end. Um, But the property in Berlin, which was the first one, is a former East German um, electricity uh, generating um, station and well worth going to. um, But uh, I... I, I think, yes, probably next time I go, I will stay in a 25 euro a night pod and be wonderfully insulated. I think anybody who's had an MRI scan um, would feel quite comfortable in one of these. 
um, especially if you if you bring your headphones and play yourself some soothing music. Um, and talking of the price spectrum, though, Lucy, twenty five euros is one thing, but I imagine one reason these guests can be vile to hotel staff is because they think they pay for it because they're paying. An- absolute fortune aren't they yeah you're quite right and i think that's the interesting thing prices have gone up and up but i think you know it's all part of this destination hotels trend so there are and instagram has really played into this and social media in general because people share these pictures or these teasers yeah. of these hotels like one of the ones i i've completely bought into is amangiri in the utah desert i don't know if you've ever oh. seen any pictures of it but it's sort of immersed in the rocky landscape but it's very very high end i've just looked it up and it's nearly three thousand pounds a night as a beginning rate um you know and so i i believe you probably do get quite a lot for that um but you know that's a once in a lifetime thing or or a never in a lifetime thing for a lot of people um but that's what a destination hotel can afford to do and sometimes it's not even as much as you know the huge architecture or the remote remote location it's things like tree houses you know canvas pods um yeah unusual sculptural rooms um you know it's kind of a novelty thing i've just been looking at a couple of crane hotels which i think is quite a funny one a bit like the shipping container rooms where it's a very industrial looking thing but for a certain type of architecture and design fan it's just completely their kind of thing there's one called the crane with a k in copenhagen that just looks absolutely gorgeous you know you're high you've got a great view across the city uh you're in this sort of bizarre blocky uh creation um and you've got a mini spa in there as well so i think yeah people who are creative with architecture and novelty and unusual locations can can definitely charge a lot for that i found that when i went to the uh, marquez de riscal which is um, a frank gary construction in the rioja area of northern spain astonishing structure like um i guess some of his other works it yeah. looks as though he's deconstructed a jumbo jet and uh, and left it there and i i turned up i actually hitched a lift with a chambermaid um from peru into the hotel and i walked up thinking oh look you know it was off season the place was clearly almost completely empty i thought as a special treat if they'll do it for me for you know a hundred quid um they're going to be uh winning i'm going to be winning but no they wanted 500 pounds and they were not prepared to negotiate so i found a perfectly nice little two-star in the uh in the nearby town but um yeah negotiation doesn't seem always to um to to work no i think it's just the demand is it and if it's a real one-off um those places can be booked up for months ahead um and i think you know more power to them they've come up with something unusual um for some of us a hotel is just a place to rest your head for the night which is why i definitely wouldn't object to a pod hotel um or indeed just a very very basic uh room in a you know city center hotel that i'm just going to essentially sleep in but yeah there's sort of there's there's two extremes aren't, aren't there yeah i mean it is quite hard to find a um, a hotel, as distinct from a hostel, and even they are generally more expensive um, anywhere in a European city for under about a hundred quid a night. Isn't that the case? I mean, I was quite surprised to see uh, there's a um, a chain called well, it's German, I think it's Greet, so it might be Great and it might be Dutch. Actually, um, G R E T, um, and I found one in Vienna. Um, which has all sorts of um, distressed second-hand furniture and is sort of, you know, makes a bit of a thing about being sustainable and possibly is. And that was only 70 quid a night. And uh, I thought, what a good idea it would be to go there and see the Klimt, uh, uh, 
exhibition. But I think um, mostly you've got to pay a lot, haven't you, to stay in anything called a hotel? I don't know. Um, I uh, Well, the trouble is that last time I was in... Um, in Vienna, I unfortunately fell foul of the so-called sister hotel syndrome where you bought what seems to be a really good value hotel room for, I think it was about 60 euros. And you turn up and they say, oh, yeah, we're full here, but there's a sister hotel across town, um, which um, is most certainly not uh, the area that you wanted to be in. Um, it's not as bad, though, as the US and in particular Las Vegas, Florida, New York, where you have resort fees and they can uh, we've done some research on this for the independent. They can virtually double the cost of your hotel room um, once they've added t uh, tax and once they've added uh, this spurious resort fee, which is um, ostensibly for things like Wi-Fi, which you would expect to get anyway, and um, is, is mandatory. So you can't say, oh, I'll do without the Wi-Fi, I'll use my phone instead and um, uh, and save that money. A miserable uh, state of affairs, which um, Joe Biden, whatever else he may be doing or indeed not doing, he has vowed to tackle ah, that. For him. So let's, let's hope that he yeah. gets there. Um, I wanted to possibly, as we... Uh, uh, Get towards the end of uh, of, of this podcast. Ask uh, ask you both if there's um, a hotel that you haven't been to, but which you would really love to go to. Uh, maybe we could say money, no object. I've got one actually, which is the um, you can stay in these igloos in Finland in, in Lapland, where you can watch the Northern Lights. So you're sort of underground, but with a glass dome over the top of you. And they're quite snuggly, you know, in that sort of Scandi way with, um, you know, furs and layers and layers of warmth. But you're looking up at the night sky. And I've just always thought that would be really wonderful and exciting and intrepid, but I'm sure it's not cheap. Um, <laughs> but it's something I would consider splashing out on just, you know, particularly if you saw the Northern Lights from, from your bed, that would be kind of exciting. Yeah, that's true. I, yes, that would be great. How about you, Simon? Well, this is one which I think I would um, uh, probably end up going to with you and we'd be sharing a room oh, yet no. again because it would be the only way that we could uh, 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 afford it. And this is in Canfranc in the High Pyrenees between Spain and France. And it used to be the most magnificent station, um, which fell upon hard times when the passengers stopped going by that way. It's called the Titanic of the Mountains. It's a beautiful Beaux-Arts hotel just opening now about 200 pounds a night so that'll be 100 quid each and then i'll buy you a beer to apologize for my snoring later uh, although i think some of um, lucy's uh, earplugs will will not go amiss there well i'm i'm quite interested in going to that hotel uh, with or without you um and uh, and actually i can tell you that the reason it's called the titanic of the mountains um is that this huge international railway station which is apparently 10 times the size or was 10 times the size of london st pancras station uh, had a terrible dip in fortunes after the railway closed about 50 years ago after a really bad train accident and the uh, we're talking high up in the mountains with some um, very serious slopes on either side down into France and down into Spain and the brakes failed on a French freight train and uh, it went whizzing back down the mountains, crashed into a bridge and wrecked that and uh, the bridge collapsed and nobody was injured but the line was closed after that and uh, now this this really astonishing um, it looks like a kind of late period French chateau um, was <coughs> 
fell into ruins and now it's been reborn as uh, as 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 a hotel and i like the idea of a of repurposed buildings yeah. yeah i think one overarching trend that people really care about now is a building or a structure having a story to it and i think that goes for many levels of hotel because you can have a building, you know, you can have hotels in old banks. Um, in London, there's a hotel in the old Scotland Yard um, headquarters that has lots of little details about policing history and, uh, yeah, the history of crime in London that's really nerdy and cool. Um, but, yeah, I love it when somebody uh, repurposes a hotel. There's a couple of prison hotels. I think Stockholm has one. Um it's, you know, it's really just telling the story of that building, but making it exciting and immersive. And I think, you know, that that goes for all levels of luxury. Well, I think we've probably outstayed our welcome now. So thank you so much, Lucy, for your um, incredibly useful and uh, interesting insights into the, the new world of hotels, I suppose we could call it, and hope to speak to you soon. And if you've got your own suggestions for great hotels, of course, we want to hear from you. You can tweet us at, at you should have BT and we will enjoy getting your recommendations. But for now, from me, Simon Calder. And me, Mick Webb. Goodbye. 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 Goodbye.